becomes like a fleeting memory. Whatever you grab just turns to dust. Like eye contact with a stranger, stranger out of the It's a dream that you to make real. Passing over the songs. Glimmer, glimmer, the ship you see. I'm ready. Cheers. Cheers. Yes. To the shores. To the shores. Episode 42. 42. Yes. We're approaching that uh, 52 mark. <laughs> what is the 52? Slowly but surely. Well, we said we we're going to do 52 this year. Oh, that's so true. We, we got to go past 52, actually. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But it should be easy. There is no uh, limit to things to talk about. I know, man. <laughs> As much as we kind of struggle to figure out what we want to talk about on a weekly basis, mm-hmm. there's so many things to talk about. Yeah. Um, so we should give a, a quick Corona update. Yes. And talk about what it may or may not mean. Oh, goodness gracious. Because it's so hard to tell anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, this one was interesting. So the CDC updated its Wait, website. First, we got to do a preface. Preface. Matt and I are weird data people, and we've been tracking the the data on the CDC website for since probably May yeah, uh, in our own spreadsheets and trying to figure out what the hell it's saying. Right. So, yeah, because it is, you have to interpret it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't tell you anything directly. Yeah. Uh, It depends on how you slice it up and cut it. And, you know, do we, do we look at uh, case fatality rate? Do we look like, do do we look at infection rate? Do we look at uh, those numbers broken down by, age, sex, you know, mm-hmm. what, what is meaningful? It's hard to tell. This seemed meaningful. Uh, the CDC updated their website and said that direct quote for 6% of the deaths, COVID-19 was the only cause mentioned for deaths with conditions or causes. In addition to COVID-19 on average, there were 2.6 additional conditions or causes per death. So that's a pretty general statement. But what they are saying, it seems, is that of the roughly 170,000 COVID deaths in America, mm-hmm. 6% of those seem to be due to COVID directly. Yeah. The rest of the deaths had something like 3.6 confounding comorbidities. 2.6, yeah. Well, 2.6 mm-hmm. in addition to the, oh, COVID, to the COVID, so that would make... 3.6 total. That makes more sense when you texted that to me. I was like, oh, you got that wrong. But yeah. <laughs> I was adding the COVID in there. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, so that makes sense why we are seeing deaths at such high age ranges. Mm-hmm. So something like 53% of the deaths are over 85. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's either 80 or 85. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. And if you start stepping down the age range, by the time you get to 55, you've counted for 93% of all deaths. Mm-hmm. And that makes sense um, because of what this is saying. This is saying that people are generally dying. If they have COVID, they're generally, 94% of them are dying of a combination of things. Yeah. <clears throat> now, this is a lot of cases, and these numbers <clears throat> cannot account. They can't really give us a picture into <clears throat> exactly what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sure how to take it. Like, what does this do to my risk tolerance for COVID? What does this do for my fear level? Mm -hmm. I don't really know. I find myself kind of, um, struggling to figure out how that should change the way that I think about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Uh, well, I feel like it's, it, it kind of, inadvertently sort of validates some of the things you and I have been questioning all along. Mm-hmm. 
and haven't really, we couldn't really find those answers. I feel like that answered a lot of the questions you and I had. Um, just about like, okay, what are these deaths? Are they all COVID? Because that one data sample that we're always looking at talks about pneumonia and COVID and influenza together. Mm -hmm. And so there, there were some things you kind of ascertained from that, but it's like, I feel like there's, there's nobody really talking about this and like, like driving a narrative around what this means, you know? Well, as a matter of fact, Twitter seems to be censoring Mm -hmm. uh, this update that we just read you. Mm. And I don't understand why I don't understand what that's about. Yeah. The only thing I can figure out is that uh, there was some tweets that may have been roughly associated with uh, QAnon. I don't know what QAnon is. I meant to look that up. (laughs) I'll tell you what I know. Okay. (laughs) QAnon. So Q is apparently a guy. Okay. And it's either on like Reddit or 4, is 4chan still a thing? It's one of these sort of, uh, you know, message boards. This guy Q will post links to things that he feels like need investigating. And he's, he has accumulated this group of people who will sort of take the things he posts and go try to figure out what it is and what it means. Oh, interesting. Um, I think at the heart of it is some accusations having to do with Hollywood and the sort of political class of people uh, and sex trafficking and Um, some amount of demon satanic worshiping. mm -hmm. Um, So it starts to sound pretty uh, hoaxy. Mm -hmm. Um, But this is where this group has kind of come to fame or has become infamous maybe interesting okay so but they kind of get slandered for some of the more crazy stuff or i think so yeah. yeah um so twitter may have censored it because one of the first tweets i mean it's on the cdc website like it's not like it's yeah. hidden mm-hmm. but somebody who may or may not be associated with QAnon posted it and then i think president trump retweeted that mm-hmm. and twitter <clears throat> took both the posts down. Yeah. I don't know what the state of like, if I went and tweeted about it, if that would get taken down, but Mm -hmm. it does seem like Twitter has taken the position of this is misinformation. Yeah. Which is shocking because it's right there on the CDC website. Mm -hmm. And I wonder, I mean, it, it does kind of seem like there is a push to downplay any positive news. Yeah. About the coronavirus. Mm hmm. So, for example, New York seems to be fairly done with the coronavirus. There really hasn't been any new deaths or cases mm-hmm. in quite some time, and yet they're still locked down. Mm-hmm. Um, everything seems to be in this weird holding pattern. Yeah, that's well. That's the thing that kind of baffles me is as a business owner, it's like, okay, what does this mean? What like does this mean that maybe we? can like re- release some of the restrictions. It's not right. as, but again, I think before we kind of go that direction, uh, I think Brett Weinstein and Heather, uh, Heather Hang kind of brought that, you know, it's like there is, a, there are other important questions too, as far as like those people who have been infected with COVID, what are the long lasting effects? I see no statistics on that. Uh, and it might well, not be too s- early. We don't know. Yeah, we don't know. But there was a study like, uh, in, uh, it was being done in Portland 
uh, it was like a multi-million dollar study yeah. of, and then they got shut down because it wasn't diverse enough, but it was right. like doing some really great, uh, research and, uh, on, on this kind of stuff. And it's like, <laughs> then they just shut it down. Shut it down. <laughs> <clears throat> there does seem to be a push to keep Corona virus seeming in the narrative as bad as possible. Mm-hmm. That does seem to help one of the narratives going on in the country right now. Yeah, and and you made a good point that <clears throat> like case fatality case fatality rate isn't the only important question. Mm-hmm. The long term effects we don't know what they are. They could be catastrophic. They could you know take a number of years off the end of your life. We don't know. Yeah. Well, I think that's a hard thing because that's what I want to. I want to <laughs> know. That's kind of like this answers to me like a question I've been asking for a long time. But I think the next step of that is of those who are being infected, how many of those have like some sort of like one to five, you know, this is a level five infection mm-hmm. and a level one infection, which is like, I had no symptoms. Indistinguishable yeah, from asymptomat- allergies. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Or asymptomatic completely. Yeah. So I feel like there should be some sort of like grading system that helps us. But again, we, we have to, I mean, all this stuff is so new. I mean, like right. our ability to track these type of things, the, the, our technological advances. I mean, we're dealing with so many things that we have so much more opportunity to track and to learn, um, which also is a little bit scary, <laughs> but that's, yeah. another, that's a whole nother thing. Uh, not in a conspiratorial way, just <laughs> kind of, but we do have like a lot more, you know, uh, we could have better data sets to make decisions by. And you would think so. But I think one thing that I've learned this year is that we have incredible data sets when it comes to like, uh, where has your phone been and what websites do you visit? <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, um, I thought it was really interesting to, you know, I think we've all experienced how we can be sitting here talking and, uh, mention some product or some item that we are interested in. And then all of a sudden you pull up Instagram and there's an ad for it. Um, and so we're all convinced that our phones are listening to us and I, I'm prone to believe that they most likely are, but Mm -hmm. I heard somebody make the argument that, um, you can pull that off without listening to people's conversations. Hmm. You can pull it off by figuring out essentially like if you and I are together Mm -hmm. and, you've been searching for something, mm-hmm. then the fact that we're together might mm-hmm. mean that I might be interested in it as well. Yeah. So you have these sort of shadow profiles that follow you around uh-huh. and they have some amount of anonymity, but you can draw conclusions by comparing the two. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, so you can pull that off without that. So we have these incredible data sets for our digital lives, but I was first shocked when the, um, you know, the George Floyd, uh, thing happened. And what are we calling that? George Floyd death death Mm -hmm. happened. Um, and, and the narrative started that police were literally hunting down black people in the streets. Mm -hmm. And I first started to, and I first asked, well, like, is that true? I don't, I don't know if that's true or not. Mm -hmm. How could we figure this out? And it turns out that the only source we have for collecting data on police shootings in this country is, managed by the Washington post. Mm -hmm. Like we're not collecting data sets 
on these things. How in yeah. the world is that true? And so the fact that we've had such a difficult time collecting data about COVID, maybe that's just a testament to um, our, our like really antiquated methods for managing these data sets on a nationwide level. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm sure that there's all kinds of privacy concerns that come into health data and um, you know, different systems in different cities and states and all of that. Yeah. Um, but if we can c- collect such exact data on our online lives, how is it that we're failing to collect good sets of data in the real world? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really, I, I just think it's just kind of a new, not necessarily a, a new phenomenon, but it's like when you get a new toy and you don't know how to really fully use it to its uh, greatest extent, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I believe anyways that we're, we've learned from this. I mean, there's Worldometer, there's there's all these different um, data collection, the CDC, um, was it the John Hopkins uh, coronavirus? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of, <clears throat> so there's a lot of, I feel like there's some things in this that have jumped up that is available to the public. But you think about it before, you know, even five or 10 years ago, you would have to go to a university and dig up some sort of abstract or, you know, obscure scientific paper True. that did all the research on it. And there's that one guy, he cited a lot um, about police shootings and stuff like that. And I forgot his name. Dad damn it. So anyway, the Harvard, <coughs> Harvard professor. Yeah. Harvard professor. Yeah. Uh, maybe we can put that in the show, show's notes. Um, anyways, he like, so you'd have to go find who that, who that person is that has the, does, has done the research on that. But it seems like more and more we're able to actually put those things online in a more user-friendly manner. I mean, everything's up for interpretation. You have to put it in a narrative, too. So there's also that you have to be careful of. We ran into that with the whole uh, uh, wage gap thing Mm -hmm. uh, and how people were interpreting the wage gap uh, between men and women, which was really fascinating. I think that was one of my first forays into looking at data in a more... Um, oh, the wage gap. The wage yeah. gap. I, w- I was looking at the Harvard professor. It's Roland Fryer. Roland Fryer. Yeah, there <clears> you yeah. go. All my technology is being used right now. So, <laughs> <laughs> no Google. Yeah. Um, yeah. The wage gap stuff was really interesting. That's that's a great illustration of how data, how we can think data tells us something, but you can make a case that it tells us something completely different, mm-hmm. and also. Uh, if we take a look at a set of data and, and draw a conclusion, the, what the obvious, what may, might seem like an obvious solution to the problem of the conclusion is, uh, can often turn out to make the problem worse hmm. when we think we understand the data, but we simply don't. Are you talking about like misinterpreting the data, like as far as like <clears throat> uh, like the wage gap and like men and women equal positions and and uh, age and all that kind of stuff. Because that was the thing is like if you look at it in one sense, it looks like there is a wage gap. But if you compare it to you know um, people in the same similar positions and stuff like that, that there's not really a wage gap, right? And same news <clears throat> and stuff like that worked. I'm thinking more about um, with the wage gap thing in, sp- in particular. 
I had seen somebody who'd basically taken a, a model of the data that suggested mm-hmm. there's a wage gap mm-hmm. and then said, okay, so <clears throat> let's take this set of data and try to solve the wage gap by changing things. Mm-hmm. So let's flood the market uh, in the entry-level positions with women. Mm-hmm. And so what, does that ha- what does that do over time, given other things we know? Mm-hmm. Um, and he showed how basically it was some of the things that you thought might change the wage gap over time actually made it worse. Oh, interesting. At least the perceived wage gap. Cause mm-hmm. to your, to your point there is, if you take, it's been so long since I've been in this data, so I don't know how correct me if yeah. you see me go astray here, yeah. but it, it, it is like, um, if you take all working women and what they make and all working men and what they make over their careers, women make less. Mm-hmm. But what does that mean, really? It doesn't really mean very much yeah. until you, unless you start looking at other variables, mm-hmm. such as um, a lot of women stop working to raise families mm-hmm. uh, and lots of other variables like differences in personality between men and women. And um, that's what you know can typically drive above average number, not above average, but a greater number of men and women to strive for super high positions in companies because mm-hmm. they sell away their entire life to do it. Yeah. And women just generally aren't willing to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause uh, again, like just the, I think the child rearing thing has been, uh, cause again, they are, they carry and, <laughs> you know, usually spend a, a period of time, uh, you know, breastfeeding or, or whatnot. And it does, yeah. that does kind of take away from, because uh, like again, there's also the part where men tend to work more hours. Also, mm-hmm. like I think there was a study with lawyers comparing men and women lawyers. You know, um, but anyway, that only gets go, go all the way back onto all right, that stuff. Right. But so I think that's part of it too. Is like more, so we're, mm-hmm. we're looking at the CDC stuff and the stuff about the the uh, the coronavirus is like so it it makes us want to go beyond just deaths. You know, it's like, yeah. okay, well, what are the, what are the deaths make up? Okay. Are they just dying from COVID? So these are the questions we want to start drilling down into, uh, you know, okay. So 8 million people, I mean, another question is, is like, you know, false positives, right. you know, it's like, I think the best test out there, 50 per, 30% or something like that, you know, um, uh, to, to be a false positive or something, which is super high. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, so there's those, there's those types of questions too. I think that'd be a hard one to test unless you had everybody take two tests or something like that, you know? Um, well, I think I'm just most interested in like, we need to understand these things because we need to understand when we can have our lives back. mm -hmm. Like I want to know when my kids can go back to school and resume their education. Mm -hmm. I want to know when I can, when our beloved businesses can stop going out of business. Shuttering. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I want to know, you know, when is it okay to, uh, get on a plane without a mask, mm-hmm. go to the grocery store without a mask, Yeah. walk up and order a drink at a bar mm-hmm. without a mask. Like I want life back. Yeah. So <clears throat> we don't understand the data very well and it's not telling a clear picture, but you know, what would it even look like? Like if we could imagine a clear picture, mm-hmm. this has been one of my big frustrations is that I don't see anybody saying, here's the clear picture of when we can have our lives back. Yeah. This is what it would look like. Like, his, you know, if, if these numbers get here or if this transmission rate gets here or these case, case fatality rates look like this, like we're not really talking about this. 
Well, it's again, it's one of those things that shift over time. You know, at the beginning of this, it was sort of like flatten the curve. Right. Um, and, and we did that. We did that. Yeah. Uh, and, and then everyone kind of has accepted that there's probably going to be another uptick, you know, I think that's pretty, pretty been pretty standard among all countries that have opened up, you know? Um, but I feel like it's just, it's almost driven all the way to this mirage of vaccine. And it's like, as if a vaccine is going to give us the thumbs up to get back to life, you know? Uh, I mean, it'd be great to have a vaccine, but even that's not really just realistically. It seems problematic, seem... though. Yeah. How's it? Well, <clears throat> vaccines. So the flu vaccine is not very effective, yeah. for instance. It's the closest thing we have to understanding what this might be like. Mm-hmm. And my assumption is that any vaccine we have is going to be rushed. So we don't know how effective it's going to be. We don't know the long term. Like negative effects, potentially negative effects of injecting yourself with COVID-19 mm-hmm. in a small quantity, which is what a vaccine is. Yeah. Um, and then the vaccine is really only effective if pretty much everyone gets it. Mm-hmm. Right. Like in terms of opening back up, I mean, yeah. So, you know, do we mandate it? If we, if it's not mandated by law, is it mandated by social contract, mm-hmm. social agreement? And in that case, I feel like I'm in a really tough situation because I don't get, I don't really take medicine. Mm-hmm. I'm, I've never gotten a flu vaccine. I would not be inclined to get a COVID vaccine. Yeah. I'm personally not worried about catching COVID. Mm-hmm. I mean, I prefer not to, Yeah. <clears throat> but I think that if everybody said, Hey, let's open back up. I would, I would feel okay with that. Mm-hmm. Given my understandings of things. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that's like, I would tend towards that direction also. Like, I mean, if they had a vaccine tomorrow, would you get it? I don't know. I do have that sort of same, like anything new that's been rushed this fast. It's like, I would definitely question what negative effects. I mean, again, I, I know this is not a vaccine, but I, I, I've seen how birth control affects different people different mm-hmm. ways. Right. And I remember Allison kind of went through, a, I think, two or three, two, uh, two types of birth control and had really bad. I mean, obviously, you're messing with your hormones and stuff yeah. like that. But um, I, I just not knowing, like having the, the time, it's like I just would be afraid to have a, a more of an adverse effect than a positive effect. Right. That'd just be hard for me to trust that. I don't know if I could really answer that question. Um, I tend to probably would say I would not, but I don't know if I would or not. So, well, but this is I don't have anything against it, but again, I don't take flu, vac- flu, flu, or anything like right, that right. Uh, vaccines just because I kind of feel like it's. I have. I feel like you kind of need to get sick and right. get the bacteria and all that stuff in you. But this is where I'm talking about the social agreement, the social contract. Like Mm -hmm. right now we have a social contract that says wear masks. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, you see people walking their dogs wearing masks Mm -hmm. and there's absolutely no reason for that. The the reason for that is that we are signaling to each other. Hey, I'm taking this seriously. Mm -hmm. You should be too. Yeah. So fine. That's, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But if we had a vaccine tomorrow and we said, Oh, we're all getting vaccinated. Uh, we don't have to wear masks anymore. 
great. Except how do we know who's vaccinated and who's not? Hmm. It used to be a very visual indicator on people's phases. Well, wouldn't it be, it'd be fine for you if your vaccine, if you have had a vaccine, then it doesn't really matter who else doesn't have a, you know, so you could just be like, okay, I'm good. Maybe. Yeah. And so you don't have to worry about who's wearing a mask and who's not wearing a mask. Well, that would, that would apply if the vaccine was a hundred percent effective. Oh, true. The flu vaccine is something like 50% effective Mm -hmm. to my understanding. Mm -hmm. So if you got a coronavirus vaccine vaccination, that was, let's say 50% effective. Yeah. Well, let's say, <clears throat> yeah, let's keep it that. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel safe being around people who aren't vaccinated or, or reverse it? Like, do people feel safe being around you not being vaccinated if they're vaccinated, but it's only 50% effective? Well, I think that's just, that's just the level of risk that you have to take, you know, as far as like, you know, if, if you were older and had some, um, you know, other conditions, you know, it's like you would take that, you take that, um, mm-hmm. um, the vaccine and, and it's like, it's kind of reduced your risk. You know, I think, right. I think that's a hard thing. We kind of want a hundred percent guarantee and that's just not, that's just not life. You know, there is no hundred percent guarantee. So I feel like a vaccine would help people that maybe have a higher, uh, have a higher probability of getting COVID or having a more adverse effect or something like that. Um, and then for those who are healthy and, uh, uh, would not have as much of a negative impact on Mm -hmm. them, they could also live. I think people would just live their lives a lot more with a little bit of the risk maybe being mitigated <clears throat> some. Well, I mean, that's, that's how we handle how, how we've always handled risk yeah. up until Corona. True. Now we're doing it very differently. Mm-hmm. So my question is, how do we get back to that? Cause I do think that that is the only <clears throat> healthy way to move forward. But yeah. in this case, we've gotten ourselves into a position where I don't know how we come out of it. I don't know either. And I think you've mentioned, you made this point earlier, like it's it, someone has become a little bit pol- uh, political as far as like if you're left leaning then you tend to have a little bit more uh emphasis on mask wearing you know i mean again i'm going to make uh, a generalization it's like probably someone who is out walking their dog with their mask on i would guess is probably more left leaning and someone who is walking their dog that doesn't have their mask on mm-hmm. is possibly right leaning <laughs> You know, I mean, again, I don't think that's actually true. Well, I think what you're making an observation about, however, is true. Mm-hmm. I mean, in in the very loud extremes, uh-huh. I think the left is saying wear masks so you don't kill people. Mm-hmm. And on the right, people are saying, I don't want to be told what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a free country. Yeah. You know, so that sort of that does kind of align with the underlying philosophical point of view but it gets at the extremes but it gets messy yeah because like uh you know you and i specifically don't necessarily have much leanings and so Mm -hmm. it's like you know i wear mask in appropriate places and i don't wear a mask in places i don't need to wear a mask like walking a dog or or just out for a walk you know i wouldn't wear a mask or usually if i'm outside in any capacity i don't wear a mask you know Uh, but if i'm inside then i would 
but this is the whole frustrating thing is like we talk about wearing masks and masks in appropriate places. Yeah. What is appropriate about wearing the masks <laughs> is that other people see you wearing the mask. Mm-hmm. I don't think that there's any good evidence that masks are slowing spread. I don't know. I've just, I just heard so many contrary evidence on both sides of this. Mm-hmm. Um, whether right or wrong, I, the, this is what I buy into is it makes people feel comfortable. Now I don't know. And I can also understand like, I know like viral load I've heard talked a lot about as right, far as like, right. you know, it might stop the viral load getting too high, mm-hmm. you know, with prolonged conversation or engagement, you know? So there's some things that are kind of like intuitively, I understand that whether that's true or not, I don't know. Right. <laughs> so, so I can see like how that, that argument for mask wearing is, especially indoors where that viral load can maybe get, you know, transmitted a lot faster or quicker right. or whatever. Um, but yeah, I just don't, I, again, I, I'd just be curious. I, I don't, I don't know enough about that to really, that probably my, this week's, uh, <laughs> research. research project. Well, cause like, you know, again, we, we and I try to stay on top of all this stuff, but it's changing it's weekly changing rapidly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if like you've, if you're working on like the mass thing from a month ago, a lot has changed since then, you know? Right. Um, so it would be interesting. I think, but the thing that has always made sense to me is viral load. You know, mm-hmm. like if you have it and you're in close contact with somebody, you know, six feet or less, <laughs> yeah. Know. Or if you're like making out with yeah. them, it makes sense. You're probably going to get it. Totally. Totally. <clears throat> no, I agree. There's something intuitive about wearing a mask would protect you. Mm-hmm. My point is that I don't think we have any evidence other than that intuition that that is true. I believe that's how the literature is, is, is stated too. Right. Like it's not, this does this. It's like, it will most likely, right. You know, it's, well, it's amazing how much science is like that. Like back to the birth control thing. Like mm-hmm. you go try to read, how does birth control work? Mm-hmm. The explanation is always, it might be doing this. It also might be doing this. <laughs> like we don't really know what it's doing. Yeah. We just know that most of the time you don't get pregnant <laughs> and that's like fine enough for people. Uh-huh. But, um, a lot of what we consider science is, is not as, um, black and white as we assume that it is. Yeah. No, that's true. That's very true. Definitely. There's a, there's a little bit of relativity or, or even, uh, unknowns that we still don't still don't have. Yeah. But I do, I think the main part of your question is, is like, when do we determine that masks are no longer needed or necessary? I'm, I'm worried that we won't, Yeah, that we will be a mask culture now, yeah. the same way that Japan has been for a long time. Mm-hmm. I'd, oh, be, I'd be curious what got that started there for them. I, I, I want to say it was the bird flu and maybe it was even before that. It's, uh, that was, I think that was the first time it came into my awareness hmm. was the bird flu and a lot of people wearing surgical masks and stuff hmm. like that. Um, what was the bird flu? Is that early 2000? 
2006. That wasn't, uh, H1N1 was the swine flu, right? Swine flu, yeah. Bird flu was something else. Something else, yeah. It wasn't that long ago. No, it wasn't. It was 15 years ago, maybe 20. And Japan wasn't a mask wearing culture before then? I don't believe so. Hmm, interesting. Fact check. <laughs> well, but it became as, you know, it became a part of their lives that didn't go away. Mm-hmm. But again, I don't think everyone, I mean, there's a, there was a certain amount of the population that right. did. That, that did and didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It is kind of interesting to see what long-term effects this will have. I mean, again, going and listen to music, you know, when we have a concert at the Cactus Club again. <laughs> That's a hard one. Mm-hmm. That makes me sad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, and for two reasons. Because like, even if we were to get to where we decided it was okay, how many of those venues are even left? You know, and I guess we'll start new ones. Which True. Is good, but I kind of tend to believe. I think this is how it will work: is that you will, as we start moving further away from day one of COVID. I feel like you will have more people and I've already seen this right now is like forming groups that they're willing to hang out with Mm -hmm. in a certain way. And I kind of think that will just kind of expand. Yeah. And then there will, but I think it'll be really hard for those already have a bent towards, um, uh, what do you call it? When someone's always worried about being sick, I forgot. Hypochondriac. Hypochondriac. You know, people like have a more tendency to that sort of like hypochondria. I think, I think this could be, like the, a, a very detrimental thing. For right. It. Right. That's true. I mean, I think if we can get to the point where we're like, okay, we're not putting, we're not putting laws in place, preventing people from doing business, mm-hmm. preventing people from going where they want to go legally. Yeah. Um, then things start to change. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm thinking about, yeah, when you, I mean, trust and intimacy changes everything. Hmm. So for instance, I'm trying to think of how to phrase this. Mm-hmm. So years ago, uh, I think it was like 2007, Austin uh, passed a no smoking ban. Hmm. But those of us I- inside, in bars, mm-hmm. those of us who were playing shows at bars at that time uh, realized that, yeah, you can't smoke in bars, until the bar closes. <laughs> and as long as like you're, you're, you know, in with the, the management and the, um, people, the bartenders and all of that, you know, they'll be like, all right, closing time. Now everybody can smoke, <laughs> uh-huh. you know? And so uh-huh. like kind of breaking the law a little bit there. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's the intimacy and the trust and it's like, okay, everybody else is gone. All of us feel the same way and agree. And we're going to, do this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like this, a similar thing could happen. You know, if we, if we lift the lockdown and say, let's stick with the bar example, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe Barflies opens back up. I kind of expect they won't make it through this, but Barflies, one of my favorite neighborhood bars here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I know been going there for years. I know the bartenders by name, they know me. Uh, and so I can imagine if like we say, okay, we're opening back up, but you have to wear a mask inside. Fine. You go in, you see somebody you know. You've got intimacy, history, trust there. Um, what was that? Uh-huh. I don't know. <laughs> um, then all of a sudden you're walking up to the bar. You've, you've been outside, so you have your mask in your hand. You come in and you, you see your friend. 
and he's got his mask off because he hasn't been doing anything. And you just sort of like walk up and, Hey, we don't really need this. We know each other. We trust each other. Mm -hmm. And that slowly starts to change. Yeah. Based, based upon relationships. And, And really, isn't that how everything changes? I mean, things don't change through policy they change their relationship <laughs> yeah yeah i think drastically i mean because i mean even with us wearing masks as we have been that was a policy you know decision right, right. by the you know austin and texas and well i guess not texas austin specifically mm-hmm. it might be texas still but um but there's also kind of a i think a helpful thing to that for a period of time i, I feel like even though we didn't know a lot, it was sort of like, okay, Hey guys, this is what we're all doing right now. You know? <laughs> right. But not putting like parameters on, and this is when we will stop doing this, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think there's something with that. That's... I mean, like I've already felt this happen. Come mm-hmm. to think of it. Um, you know, you were talking about sort of like everybody's got their group of people that they trust. And I've definitely got that. And someone in sort of my quarantine group mm-hmm. started dating someone new mm-hmm. and uh, brought him into this group, which I felt comfortable with because mm-hmm. I trust her. And when I met him, we weren't wearing masks. Mm-hmm. And so I greeted him like I would, like I didn't even really think about it. Yeah, yeah. I stuck my hand out, we shook hands and I gave him a hug. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some, my risk tolerance had gotten to a point where I snapped back into an old procedure. Yeah. Um, and there was, it didn't feel weird. Mm-hmm. And I thought, whoa, okay, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. We can get back. Yeah. I don't know how that, it's got to grow maybe slowly out of these nuclear units mm-hmm. to where that becomes a normal thing again. But I think we can. I think so too. Was it, I don't know if we talked about this in the last podcast, but. I think we might have this idea of like, um, there actually might be some really healthy, um, aspects of, uh, relationships and community that comes out of this. Cause, uh, well, no, we did talk about this cause I brought up, then I negated myself when I brought up, uh, <laughs> the internet and social media, but like having more closer contacts and circles, that were kind of what we've always had as, as a species, you know, it's mm-hmm. like in having that intimacy, you can't have intimacy with a thousand people. Like, right. That's just not possible. I think, you know, you know, 15 to 20, 60, and then it starts to kind of like, as you get up to a hundred, 120, it's like, it diminishes really fast right. after that, you know? Um, so I don't know. I mean, I mean, you've been kind of Allison and I's quarantine buddy for mm-hmm. <laughs> this whole thing, you know? Yeah. So it's like, it's like definitely like, I feel like our relationship is like really, uh, I mean, it's always kind of been growing, but like, it's been like, Hey, we're in this. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> I, mean, I think you were the first person outside of my like kids mm-hmm. that I allowed myself to be around. Yeah. You know, maskless. Mm-hmm. Maskless. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds so, Hey, uh, you want to, uh, <laughs> Get together and take our masks. Off. I know it's almost like we made out or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. It's funny because I almost am talking about it in the same sense. Yeah. Like, do I want to reveal this or? <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, it's so funny. <clears throat> like, it's kind of funny even talking about it and you saying that. It almost feels like, uh, but we're safe, you know? Right. And well, the thing is, we don't know. Like no. you had a COVID test somewhat recently. Mm-hmm. I've never had a COVID test. Yeah. I mean, I could have already had it. Mm-hmm. That's the weird thing about this disease. Yeah. That 
you just don't it's like there's a bunch of people asymptomatic there's a, it's like i've had symptoms of allergies I, mm-hmm. I always have symptoms of allergies we live in like the most allergic <laughs> place in the country uh, so you know who knows if i've had covid which is crazy because like usually i'm knocked out from may to june mm-hmm. my allergies were amazing this year oh nice because always wearing the mask and stuff like that oh interesting you noticed a positive effect oh from yeah that. wow so i might be just wearing the mask through may just in general <laughs> <laughs> like oh he's one of those guys no man allergies Forget it helps Zyrtec. out <laughs> totally. wear a mask yeah that's funny or it might have been I wasn't swimming because, like, you know, or working out as much. And because, you know, when I'm swimming, I'm <laughs> taking, when right. I'm swimming outside, I'm taking a lot more of the air and the pollen. So that might have been too. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I've spent a lot more time outside probably mm-hmm. since this quarantine mm-hmm. than I normally would have. I think because when I learned that apparently uh, COVID 19 pretty much dies immediately in. Uh, contact with UV light Mm -hmm. and also apparently many, many of the deaths are vitamin D deficient. Mm -hmm. I was like, all right, I'm going on like a 45 minute walk every day, Mm -hmm. you know, no shirt off, shirt off, off. pants off. (laughs) I wear pants, but like sun exposure, like Uh just trying to get sun. I also have the best tan I've ever had in my life. (laughs) You're like slightly pink, brown, pink, brown. Yeah, (laughs) it's true. That's awesome. I don't really tan. I just, I just kind of (laughs) burn. Totally. Uh, So yeah, either I'm more tan than I've ever been, or this is the longest sustained sunburn I've ever had. And so I'm definitely dying of cancer. Uh huh. That's great. COVID didn't get me, but skin cancer uh, skin did. Skin cancer, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, that was cool, though. I mean, I learned, like, just the vitamin D part, too. It's like, mm-hmm. how important that was. I, I think I'd do that every summer anyways, but I was a lot more aware of, like, making that a point. Yeah. Like, I don't lay out ever. And I was like, I found myself over the summer, like, occasionally just going and laying out in the sun. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, this feels amazing. Sunlight feels great. It does feel great. Yeah. Which, it pisses me off so much that Barton Springs has been closed for all this. Like, we need that. I know. We do. Yeah, that's just, that's just wrong. Yeah, it is. It's wrong. Well, uh, here's the thing. So, I'm, I'm a, this is one thing I'm concerned of, is that, let's just say that at the end of this, we find that maybe we overreacted a little bit too much to this, you know? Again, I don't know. I'm not making a statement. I'm concerned because like if it, if we actually did face a uh, an even greater pandemic, that we'd be like, oh, but last time you guys you know screwed it up so bad. How am I going to trust you this time? Hmm. So I can see how maybe we not wanting to again that might be more conspiracy theory, but sort of like not wanting to uh, with the with the new information that CDC has come out with, like right not wanting to make a big deal out of it because it's like, Hey, we're actually finding out, which is natural. We're actually finding out that this is more, not as bad as we thought it was, you know? Um, which yeah. I'm not saying it is or it isn't. I'm just saying that that's, it does you know. seem like, you know, it's, it's probably too early to make, to call it, mm-hmm. but it does seem like we, we have overreacted a little bit. Yeah. And if that's the case and this thing, really isn't all that bad mm-hmm. um then yeah what do we do when the next swine flu or bird flu comes around mm-hmm. i mean these two things 
were a blip in our memory. Like we didn't respond at all to these things. Yeah. Well, but I think that the contagious rate was like a lot, lot lower. It was a lot lower yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but will we respond differently in the future? Cause now we're used to this response. We're mm-hmm. used to this response of, okay, there's something out there, shut down, lockdown. Mm-hmm. We're okay with losing businesses, losing jobs, losing our economy. I don't think, I don't, I don't think we will, we will react very well to another shutdown. I don't think we can economically. Well, I, I saw, I read that, uh, the, was it Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida? Is that right? I think so. Uh, I think today or yesterday said that he will never lock down again. I thought that was a pretty bold statement. Yeah, I mean, we won't really know the ramifications of all this for another six months, I think. Because, like, especially once we, um, it's, uh, it's kind of depressing to talk about, but, like, getting through the holiday seasons, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas mm-hmm. when we traditionally gather together. Right, and we can't do it. Yeah, or if we can, people will be red- more reticent to gather together right. with their closest <clears throat> loved right. ones, you know? And That's an interesting point. I mean, well, I think Thanksgiving will be the first tell mm-hmm. because two things are at play there. One is that Thanksgiving will be the first time that we traditionally insist on gathering with our family, mm-hmm. you know, and I, <clears throat> like I haven't been seeing my parents, they've not felt comfortable and mm-hmm. I've respected that. And, but I wonder how they will feel when Thanksgiving comes around, even if nothing else changes. Yeah. Um, that seems like, that will encourage us to break through the risk tolerance setting that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, also, that's after the election. Oh wow! And I have this, <laughs> I have this sense I, I, that, like I said earlier, we're in this holding pattern with mm-hmm. Corona, and I think it's about the election. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think that either side of our political leadership is willing to make a move from their position. Yeah for fear that it will affect the election, mm-hmm. which is really gross. Yeah. Cause these are our lives we're talking mm-hmm. about here. Um, but I think things will change and I don't know how, like there's a big question mark, you know? Yeah. It's like, cause tra- like, I guess opening back up has been seen more as a conservative or mm-hmm. Republican thing right. and locking down has been seen as more of a liberal democratic thing. Yeah. And not that that's necessarily true across the board, but, um, again, just generalizations, you know, it just sucks that we have to like, that we've, that we've framed them in, in, in such terms as this. It's, it's really sad for our leadership, um, on both sides of the aisle. And, um, although I feel like I, through all this, I've found so many more middle ground people Mm -hmm. and I don't necessarily mean middle ground as, as in. Uh, like people that are on the left or on the right or in the center. I've, I've, I've just experienced so many other great conversations that are not politically motivated. Mm -hmm. They might have more liberal or conservative values or bents, you know, but they tend to be discussing and interacting. And then I see this other part that's just insane. Like I don't, like not talking to real people, you know? Mm. Yeah. And that's the part that just confuses me. And that kind of puts us in that same part of like, 
I can't, I guess like, again, like if it, it actually is really bad, then we need to lock down again. You know, it's like, um, that would probably be more on conservative side as a negative thing and, and would not want to do that. You know, right. um, we're on the Democrat side to be like, Hey, this really isn't as bad as we thought it was. We need to open back up. Well, no, that would give Trump a better economy and he'd be able to take credit for, right. <laughs> for the end of Corona. <laughs> Yeah, or he would frame it in some way that was like, oh, I'm so good. I'm so good. <laughs> was, <laughs> that that, a weird was accent. that an Italian Trump? What was that? Yeah, all my accents go to Italian or, <laughs> or Irish. <laughs> I do like Italian Trump. <laughs> Italian Trump. So I don't know what I do. Huh? <laughs> it's the best. You've never seen anything like this. Like this. It's, it's the best. Well, there's a great meme in there, like a su- Super Mario brother. <laughs> version of trump <laughs> that's great <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that'll be interesting to get into the fall and see what happens and 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 you know to add to that on the negative side it's likely that coronavirus will see an uptick when we're all inside more when we have less hours of sunlight in the day mm-hmm. so we shall see we shall see yeah yeah that'll be yeah, we're just we're we're faced with so many existential dilemmas in all this too. Because again, yeah. coming back to the holiday season part is like again, I kind of hate going to a dark place right now. Cause we're kind of coming to the end, but like that's when suicides go way up, you know. True. And you add this and solitary solitariness. Yeah. I mean, like that's right. that's a, people can't see their loved ones, which. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as it's already contributing to suicide rates and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, already without our normal right, you know, uptick and that kind of stuff. Which isn't like suicide rates going up around the holidays, sort of believed to be caused by exasperating stress in family situations. Whether you can't see your family or mm-hmm. you're estranged from your family, mm-hmm. so or you know. Loved, yeah, lost loved ones. And right. this is the time you you had gathered in the past or whatever. Yeah, right. Yeah, shaping up to be a tumultuous fall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just wish there was some way to, you know, again, probably next podcast we'll talk about Unity twenty twenty. But I think that's one thing that's been somewhat a. a interesting idea to me is Tulsi Gabbard and uh, Dan Crenshaw are uh, were nominated for the unity 2020, 2020 ticket. Right. And when I think of them together, one's on the left, one's on the right on a ticket. It's like, I kind of feel like there's, there'd be a little bit of like a, a squashing of the politicalness of this. Right. Cause Trump represents this thing. Biden represents this thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like, those two carry that same weight, you yeah, know? Right. So there's a, there's a part and, and whatever of the weight they do carry would be somewhat neutralized by mm-hmm. the other. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why I feel like it's such a good idea. Mm-hmm. Like we have to work together. Yeah. Yeah, we do. And talk and dialogue across the aisle. Yeah. And we're also different. We need to, we need to do that. Man. Um, I guess school, your kids go back to school next week? Monday. Monday. Yeah. Well, not, not Monday. Monday's Labor Day. Tuesday is the first day of school for yeah. AISD. And they're online? Online for the first four weeks. And then I don't know what's happening. There's some, like, 
possibility they'll open the school up, but I think it's on like a request basis, sort of opt in, opt out kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And they're putting all the desks six feet apart. Kids have to wear any, anyone on campus has to wear a mask at all times. Um, it sounds problematic mm -hmm. for kids. You know, my kids don't want to do it. Yeah. They also are, they also want to go back to school. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I don't know. That's, that's one of the things that I'm most sort of frustrated about right now in terms of coronavirus yeah. is my kids and, and their access to education in this environment. Yeah. Cause you can't provide that for them. No, you have a full-time job, right. <laughs> you know, and it's like, and you don't have the energy afterwards to invest in that, you know? Right. Realistically. Yeah. No, I don't. I mean, even if I did, mm -hmm. I would have to, you know, what I'm normally doing after I work is doing house chores, grocery shopping, cooking dinners, making sure we're all, re all ready for the next day, mm -hmm. trying to spend some personal time with my kids. Yeah. There's no time to homeschool in there. Mm -mm. Well, I'll have to say like, so we've been back to school for two weeks now. Oh, wow. And there's a part that I've really loved that they're doing from school. I mean, from home, uh, is no homework. I mean, it is amazing. So it's like when they're done with their schoolwork, I mean, we're still working on, uh, you know, everybody. cause it's all homework. It's all homework. Right. Yeah. And so it's actually really fantastic. And I'm really kind of pissed at schools right now for giving kids homework. Hmm. Cause like, again, you know, you end your day with work, you've got all these things to do and make sure they got their homework done and then it's bedtime. Right. You know, it's like, that's just not, I mean like, so there's this part right now, like, you know, everyone's been getting, you know, Austin has sometimes has some hard times with it, but like get done with their work by one or two mm -hmm. and then they play and do stuff. <laughs> that's awesome. I'm like, it's, it really is awesome. I mean, so there's a part that's really cool about that, but, um, but we're also in a, a different situation also owning our own business. I can kind of help out and do stuff like right, that. So right. it's like, um, not everyone has that. I'm really fortunate to, to, to be that place, but I mean, yeah. So anyways, I was on the homework side. I'm really so awesome not to have homework, but I mean, most people cannot have their kids at home doing, I mean, they have to actually, so many people have to go to work and they leave yeah, their kids at home. Right. You know, I've heard about that. I mean, how do you make sure your 12 year old who can stay at home by themselves is doing their schoolwork? Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I just worry. I worry about the, the future of our children missing education, missing the accountability of education, mm -hmm. the structure of education and, how they'll be prepared to go out into the world socializing, you know, socializing. Like, yeah. yeah. Cause you need to, you know, bump into people and hear that's stupid. You're stupid. I hate you. You know, <laughs> it's like you need to have those encounters and totally develop character and stuff. Yeah. Or even like as their kids get older, like first kiss or something like that, you mm -hmm. know, it's like, I mean, when I was 15, I don't remember when my first kiss was somewhere between 12 and 15, but it's like, I mean, those are all, that's all part of growing up. Foundational. You know? Yeah. Foundational. Yeah. 
so I think that's it's, it's going to be. I mean, hopefully, uh, I don't know. Maybe it's like hopefully we don't like raise like it's like kids are more and more like not maturing as fast as they did. You know, back in the day, where like at thirteen or fourteen, you're in the fields and right. earning a wage or and like, getting married and getting having married. kids. Exactly. Yeah. It's like kids are now still in their twenties. You know, it's like yeah. that have no responsibility and. <laughs> Yeah, delayed maturation. Delayed, that's the word, yeah. 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 So, this is going to be a quiet, like, 10 years from now to look back and see what the hell happened, you know? Yeah, for sure. Because all those, a lot of those kids will, you know, be graduating high school and entering into the workforce and that kind of stuff. Right. And I do, we're facing what feels like unprecedented challenges. Mm-hmm. But when I look at it or think about it from another way, humans are incredibly creative Hmm. and resourceful. Um, The world might look like a really different place in a lot of ways, but we will make it through to that other place. What do you hope it looks like? What's what's, what's your more hopeful um, outlook? Well, just thinking about school, I, I don't think that our current or our traditional path through the educational system Hmm. uh, really served the most amount of people very well. Mm -hmm. Um, College in particular, I I feel quite dubious about. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not really interested in sending my kids to college right now. Yeah. Um, And the education system, you know, I want my kids to be going to school less for what school teaches them directly and more for what they learn about being an individual hmm. because it's, it's them going to a place where they have individual autonomy and, and they learn self-control mm-hmm. outside of their family unit. And I think that's really important. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm more interested in, in my kids going to school for that mm-hmm. than the curriculum. Yeah. But I think that there's an opportunity to teach somehow differently and to solve the problem of like, what do we expect kids to do once they graduate high school? It used to be, we expect them to go to college. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's serving people, you know, except in really specific situations. So what, what might we replace that with? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I think there's been a lot of interesting promising ideas. Yeah. Um, things like some sort of online accreditation process by which, I mean, we're all spending all this time online, watching videos, reading articles, um, consuming things. Mm-hmm. If we could sort of get credit for the things that we're consuming outside of a institution, could we essentially put together some, what, what would be the equivalent of an old degree in terms of, um, learning and understanding a concept mm-hmm. could that be accomplished outside of an institution yeah i think there's really interesting possibilities for that to happen i also think that i would love to see the return of some sort of like apprenticeship culture mm. you know like i got my i went to college for music i make my living in programming so my college degree didn't really help me at all um I taught myself and, and learned by interacting with other people who did it. Yeah. 
I would be much more interested in my kids going out and spending a year messing around programming to see if they liked it and then and under, in, in a paid position mm-hmm. and then say, you know, I don't, I don't really love this. Like I want to try uh, being a fire, firefighter or I want to try physics. Yeah. Something like that. I think it would, I think we could, I can imagine a future where, well, all of this stuff is so accessible already, but if we can sort of mainstream and, I don't want to use the word institutionalize, but somehow institutionalize that outside of the educational institutions, mm-hmm. um, we could open up a lot of opportunity for people. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, also just like how universities have become so administrative heavy, mm-hmm. you know, that it's it's becoming so expensive that it's not viable for almost anyone. Yeah. Like that's graduating and having this huge debt that you will never find a job that can <laughs> pay right. off that right. debt, <laughs> you know? Um, which is interesting. Cause like, even when I went to, was going to go, I was thinking about going to grad school for philosophy. And, and by the time I got through that, into that process, did the GRE and apply and all that kind of stuff. And I just kind of got this answer of like, not that way, not, not, not really, but not in that way. And I kind of had this feeling of like, that I could go and get my doctorate in philosophy, but then there was this other way that, that I actually would get more out of. And I, it's like only now after 14 years, really that's about 16 years ago that I understand what that meant, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Um, which I learned how to do business, you know, I learned how to, you know, manage people. I, you know, it's like, there's all these things and there's like, I have all like there's all these philosophical ideas, but how they how they also applied practically to. Right. Um, so I think I, in the apprenticeship part, that would be huge for be able to be able to right. like I studied under Matt McCloskey. Like, oh <laughs> no way, no way, we're hiring you. Yeah, <laughs> but like maybe that's the things your references actually become more valuable. Mm. Like I would actually call Matt McCloskey and say, hey. I hear this person studied under you. What was your experience of them? Right. Did they do this or that? How did they handle this situation? You know, maybe there's more accountability towards the um, master or whatever. You know? That is interesting because even in the current situation, the current uh, system, you graduate college, you go apply for a job. Mm-hmm. That job's not calling the college and asking questions about you. You <laughs> yeah. know, it's like you basically start from zero at that point. Mm-hmm. I guess maybe I'm interested in, can we like move that zero point back to the age 18 rather than saying it's a 21 mm-hmm. other than jobs like engineering and that kind of stuff you need to have like, Hey, have you done differential equations or, <laughs> you know, whatever else, right. understand stress load or whatever, right. <laughs> but torque, torque. I don't know. I took this, I, I sat in a, 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 a one of my friends was an engineer and I sat in his class on torque and it was fascinating. I didn't know anything yeah. that they were talking about. But I understand it conceptually yeah. and thought it was great. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> well, man. Yeah. It's good stuff. We spent a lot of time on COVID. That was, well, we, we haven't really talked about COVID in no. a while. Yeah, it was worth an update. It was. Um, just, I'm, I'm just really fascinated by the CDC. I'm just thankful they came out with it. Because mm-hmm. I, could, I could understand why you would not want to publish that information 
because it does open up a lot of questions. It runs contrary to the narrative too. It does. Because the popular narrative is we've, we've got the, we did this wrong. Mm -hmm. We failed. Mm -hmm. Look at these numbers. They're terrible. Yeah. And to suggest that that might not be the full picture is courageous. Mm -hmm. I mean, anything counter narrative is courageous, which is a strange thing to say, but, um, because intuitively, intuitively, I would think it wouldn't take. Um, never mind. <laughs> We're gonna go on for another hour. Now. I know. I'm, we should wrap it up. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm glad too. We'll see what it ends up meaning. I don't. I don't know. I, yeah. I, th- I feel like I need to think about it some more. But nobody's talking about it. No, that's true. Nobody's talking. Which about is it. phenomenal. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? That's weird. <laughs> it's really weird. So I, I hear more of like the sort of like maybe dumbing it down, mm-hmm. like kind of squashing it a little bit. Um, but I'm like, no guys, we got to talk about this. Like yeah. let's get this into the dialogue and let's, let's find out what other questions do we need to be asking or what information do you have that, you know, you, you're, you're holding on to, which is understandable. You don't want to just start publishing stuff that you haven't really, you know, whittled down and really gotten a good, sample size of you know yeah. so anywho all right yeah thanks for listening y'all yeah totally uh give us a like on uh instagram and or what is it uh, a follow and uh both you yeah. could do you could do both a comment too a comment to share a star on our uh apple stuff a star podcast. on the apple stuff <laughs> not, not just one like five is we're cool. so professional <laughs> i know uh we're we're trying we're trying so but we love talking to you guys. We talk the dialogue with y'all. So anyways, yeah, it's the shorts of ignorance. <laughs> love y'all. Love y'all. Bye. Bye. <laughs>